Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 16th day of October. I'm Paul White. It's the Lord's Day in the Christian faith, and we hope, I hope, that you are celebrating, relaxing, resting, enjoying, worshiping, growing in grace, wherever and however you celebrate the Lord's Day. Today, we begin a new line from our journey through the Apostles' Creed. The line is, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Now, I want to put off was crucified, dead, and buried because, um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of theology packed into crucified, dead, and buried, and also suffered. Um, I want to sort of put off suffered with those crucified, dead, and buried because those are the things that happened to Jesus. And I want to concentrate on Pontius Pilate and ask the obvious question, why Pontius Pilate, because Jesus is a man, and so he's a, a, an earthly man that's in the creed, but we don't, we're not celebrating him in the creed as merely an earthly man. Mary is a woman, so there's a human in the creed, but we're not celebrating her as merely woman because we've attached the Virgin Mary to her in the creed. Pontius Pilate, however, is obviously simply a man. And you could make the argument, the only simply a man that appears in the creed. I mean, the only, I mean, the most human of all that appears in the creed and, and really with nothing extremely valuable to add to it. So when I first started to study the creed and, and pray the creed, I kind of wondered why Pilate got in there. Like, why didn't we mention the Roman soldiers, or why didn't we mention Judas Iscariot? It seems like it could have been a good line right there. You know, betrayed by Judas Iscariot, crucified, dead, and buried. Maybe it would have given us a bit even more sympathy there to say, well, he died because he was betrayed. Or how about King Herod? There's a lot of guilt to go around. But we don't. We get Pontius Pilate. And though Pilate does have a little moment of washing his hands of this and you guys do what you want and there seems to be a little bit of um, an attempt, a half-hearted attempt at best to get himself off of this guilt train of killing Jesus or crucifying Jesus, uh, he's he's still ultimately responsible from a governmental standpoint for putting Christ on the cross. But that's not why he's in the creed. Um, The reason that Pontius Pilate appears in the Creed is actually pretty simple, and it's for dating purposes. Um, The Creed does not want to be confused with the mythological texts of the world around it. Let me give you an example. Um, In the Egyptian myths, to try and explain why the Nile floods every spring and brings everything back to life, um, the Egyptian myths of Osiris and Isis and how uh, Osiris was killed and dismembered by his brother and then his wife gathered his body parts. Um, She couldn't gather his genitalia. It had fallen into the Nile. And so every year the Nile flooded and reseeded the earth around it and brought it back to life. Now we read stuff like that or hear stuff like that and think, well, that is so silly. But in a world 
of in the world of that day, it doesn't seem so crazy. You've got to make explanation for why things come to life once the water hits it. It doesn't there's we don't have the science behind it, and so we land on a much simpler uh, mythological reason, which by the way is actually quite deep. That that whatever the water touches comes back to life. And why is that? And so to compare it to the human action of copulation or reproduction doesn't really seem that far off, but it still is mythological. And it also speaks of the death of something divine. And out of the death of something divine, other things get brought back to life. And the Christians wanted to avoid making it appear as if Jesus, the death of the divine, and his resurrection, which brings us back to life, was merely myth. And so to keep it from being merely myth, they want to ground it in historical fact. The problem is, is they don't have calendars like we do. They don't have a date. They have the Jewish calendar, but they don't have a year system built in the way that we do. There was no way to say uh, Jesus Christ is only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary in the year X. And so without being able to do that, they do what had been done all throughout the Bible. For instance, in the Old Testament. Remember that famous moment when I saw him high and lifted up and his, glo- his glory filled the temple and the uh, seraphim, seraphim sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The text that leads into that is Isaiah 6, where he goes, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. Why does he mention in the year King Uzziah died? Well, it could have to do with Uzziah dying, but it also is a way of dating when it happened. He couldn't say in the year 416 B.C. He doesn't have the year 416 B.C. So they had years based basically on... Who was in rule? Now, once the Romans set up the Republic, and then once it becomes empire, they built their own year system, and they revolved the year around the year that Rome was founded. Um, When Remus and Romulus formed Rome, that became baseline, sort of year zero. And so you would have had people in the academic world of Jesus' day who would have given a date to the year they were in, but it would have been a year that doesn't sound much like ours. It might have been, let's say it was year 212 or whatever the, the date would have been. That wouldn't have been street language, but that might have been the way it would have been dated for Roman purposes. So the, the, the creed's trying to avoid that by guarding the passion of Christ in an actual time period and showing that the passion of Christ is not a cycle like Egyptian mythology is where it comes and goes, comes and goes. We see this writing as early as the early second century, um, which is about the time John the Apostle dies. Uh, Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, wrote seven letters to churches. He's copying the book of Revelation. I don't mean literally, but he's copying the prose style by writing seven letters. And in every one of those letters... He urges the churches of the second century to preach that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and was resurrected in the time of Pilate. And that's the first place we see that appear in print. Here's one more thing. From the fourth century, the fourth century writer Rufinus explained this clause in the creed as follows. Those who have bequeathed the creed to us were very wise in emphasizing the actual time when all these things took place so that the firmness of the tradition be well established 
and there be no danger of uncertainty or vagueness. If I had to attach a text today, it would be Matthew 27, 1 and 2. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Tomorrow, we start to get into the was crucified aspect of the creed. And we'll see you then. God bless.